When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream. Welcome. Welcome back, welcome (laughs) back, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, That's Damon Benning. I'm Ravi Lula. And we are joined now by our friend Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He's a national college football writer. Bill, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Bill, good, good morning, man. I get, get right to it just because you were at Big Ten Media Days. I was kind of explaining this to Ravi when I was in Indy. We're talking about Jim Harbaugh. Did you get the sense? And, and remember, it was along the line. We had the new coaches from the West, and they were really good, and it was kind of philosophical. And There's just something about Coach Harbaugh, like his demeanor, his presence. It's not defiant because I think he's a little aloof, but his aura comes across very, very strong. How would you, com- how would you describe that? when you pit it with how this whole thing with the NCAA seems to be shaking out? Yeah, I mean, a, a bit of a – he was enjoying it, I think, to a point that he couldn't talk to about it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Like, that's a, that's a good dis- – because I didn't want to call it cocky or confidence. It was, and it wasn't smug, but there seemed to be some joy that he got out of holding court like that. Yeah. Yes, and I think part of it is because the fact that the NCAA had a statement this weekend that actually mentioned a cheeseburger, that's a first in college football history. It was Um, petty, unbelievably petty. (laughs) Because of the reaction that we're all having. It's making, the the deeper the NCAA digs its heels in, I think the general fan reaction is, this is absurd, Jim Harbaugh knows that, he's playing into it. Now, if he did deliberately lie to, you know, investigators about some of these improper practices, he's probably going to get suspended. Yeah. So it, it's created it. But the fact that also there's the fact that he's going to be on every game this season around him. And I think he knows, and you know this from being around him a little bit, he knows he's got something on the field this year. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be very, they're going to be very good. Yeah. Bill, I'm curious, is it, you know, with the suspension deal negotiation falling through, is it better, you kind of hinted at this, is it better that he's there all year, or is it hurt that there's still kind of this thing hanging over them sort of all season? I mean, we assume that the NCAA won't figure anything out until after the season, but we don't know that, right? Right. I think it's better, though, that he's expected to coach all year, and I don't think it'll be that much of a distraction, honestly, during this season. Now, when we get to the off season and, and think about this, you know, I know the Michigan program pretty well. And I know yeah. they've had some years where they've had top five expectations and haven't come through. Mm-hmm. Let's say they lose to Ohio state. 
Smith comes back, and then the NFL rumors start again, and he doesn't have he hasn't got another contract extension. The distractions that might happen after the season. Bill, when you're taking a look at uh, tomorrow is a, a critical date, uh, obviously for FSU and 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 what could potentially happen with the ACC. Do you remember, uh, with re- regards to McCullough here, do you remember a president be- seemingly being that defiant about the conference affiliation and what's at stake monetarily? It's it seemed it came across, and I think that was the first week in August. It, it came across as kind of un- uncharted waters. Right. Well, I, and I understand where they're coming from, though. And, and if you really kind of look at where Florida State's coming from, it comes down to a couple things. It comes down to the SEC share versus the ACC share of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who who is arguably Florida State's biggest rival? Florida. Florida. The SEC. Yeah. yeah. And when the if they've got that much more money to work with in the next chapter of college football, and Florida State doesn't, and as somebody that lives in Ohio, I know our state gets compared to Florida a lot, so I understand the behavior. <laughs> I, I've probably acted like this before too. So. The saber-rattling was intentional. I think they're trying to look at, um, re, maybe reconstructure, reconstruct how they d- distribute the revenue. Reconstructure. I just made that word up for you guys. <laughs> Bill, uh, I'm curious. <laughs> with this, uh, the whole Florida State ACC thing, I mean, is it just saber-rattling? I mean, is there... You know, I've, I've heard everything from Florida State's looked at private equity options to finance their exit to they're just doing it like you said to get a larger share of the pie. I mean, which of those things do you think is closest to the truth or is it just, hey, all options are on the table. We're kind of just shotgun spraying this thing to see if something can work out for us. Well, a couple of things. Oh, I mean, Bill, you I still there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't think. The, the Big Ten is going to take on Florida State, Clemson, Southern teams because nope. the hope that the SEC extends an invitation at some point and it doesn't seem like Greg Sankey's in a hurry to do that. Or, and this is something to remember, and I just this dawned on me this morning, they were independent once. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were pretty good when they were independent. You mm-hmm. have to go back to like the Beyond Sanders days. Do they consider doing that, paying the exit fee, and waiting on supposed super conference model? Trev Albert's comments were very telling this weekend. I think that's what's happening. Bill, could you see a, could you see a situation where you, you give um, Brian Kelly some, some plausible thought here in terms of, I don't think it'll ever happen, but the 65 independence thing, made some sense when I kind of got to the nuts and bolts of it. If you ultimately arrive at, we're not going to all end up being here where we currently are anyway. Yeah, it, it does make sense to me. It doesn't make sense for the conference model because college football is tied up in conferences and money and tradition and all those things. But if you told me, it's kind of like all of us that played the video games growing up. Remember what, you know, the ones that didn't have all the teams and you're like, this is fine. These are the ones that matter. <laughs> um, Bill Walsh football had that, I believe. And so if the three of us could probably pick out the 64 teams. You're like, you make the cut. Now, their feelings might get hurt, but 
I mean, I think that model makes sense. It just it's just the NFL times two. Yeah. Bill, we're talking with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Um, so I want to move on to a little bit of you know smaller scale. What's going to happen on the football field this year? Um, obviously, we had the coaches poll come out last week. We're expecting the AP poll sometime uh, in the morning here. As you kind of look at where teams are shaking out in the preseason, let's just start with the top 10-ish teams. Shoot, who's two? I would say, is there an outlier there that you are kind of looking at either as, hey, I I don't know if they belong or maybe somebody outside the 10 that you think is maybe a little bit better? I think the pool starts at six. Top five in any order, it's going to be Georgia one and then... Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. That's a pretty solid top five. Okay. Um, who are they going to put at six? Is it Penn State? Is it Florida State? Is it you know Washington or USC? Probably going to be USC because they got Caleb back and going to be the Pac-12 favorite. Mm-hmm. But And then the other one I'm interested in is where do they put Texas? Texas hype is back. I'm guilty of spreading <laughs> it as anybody else. Um, but they are favored to win the Big 12, and they're going to have a really good offense. Bill, I want to stay with the Pac-12 just for a second, and not just because they're coming to – these two teams are coming to the Big Ten, but um, it's no – and I'm not, neither has surpassed SC, although Oregon, you know, the last time they were in Columbus, was a pretty physical team. Could you see an easier transition for the Washingtons and Oregons that are trying to do it up front mm. with some physicality before you could in SC when it comes to transitioning to how the Big Ten likes to play football? Oh, we cut out on Bill, us. we still got you? Shane, let's try and get Bill back I'll there. I'll try and track him down. Um, okay. That's an interesting question. We talked about this a little bit, I think. Uh, I think that might have been over text. text. Yeah, because USC's lines are a problem, mm-hmm. um, especially not in the Pac-12 as much. Well, it costs them against, like, Oregon and UCLA, and Utah, teams that want to run the ball. And Utah. Yeah, teams it that want to run the them ball. against yeah. Utah, yeah. right, twice. So that's where – and Utah is a Big Ten team, basically. Like, Listen, Utah if, – If Cam Rising is healthy, Utah yes. could be a problem. Yes. and Their schedule sucks. And they're built like a Big Ten team. Uh, I think we've got Bill uh, – maybe we don't have him yet. We'll wait for Shane to tell us. Um, we got him, Shano? We have him now. All right. All right, Bill, back to uh, Damon's question here. He was asking if you think Oregon and Washington – because of the way they're built physically, might have a little bit easier transition to the Big Ten than, say, the USC-UCLAs of the world? I mean, yeah. I mean, Washington, obviously, they got roughed up by Michigan a few years ago. But, I mean, I watched Oregon in 2020 go into Ohio State and win. Yeah. In, or 2021. They, I've seen them do that. And, and they recruit. Their rosters aren't that different than a, a Big Ten roster. Maybe a little less interior four-star talent from the Midwest, but they'll adapt. And then USC is very interesting to me. It's a big year for them because we know they can score, mm-hmm. and we know they can put up 40 points a game. Do we know if they can play defense? And that was the big problem last year. I mean, over 40 points, like close to 500 yards in those losses to Utah and Tulane. How, we- how weird is it to say that, uh, you know, because – I like Utah, mm-hmm. and and they if Cam Rising was healthy, I would put them in the dark horse category. I still think they'll be good. That schedule kind of sucks, but I like Texas Tech kind of coming from 
off the grid. Is there a team? Is it a Utah type? Is there a team that you like coming from off the radar that you think has a user-friendly schedule? Some like Okie State? I mean, wa- yeah, I mean, Washington. Texas Tech's interesting. I mean, they've got, they've got a lot of hype around them in their second season with Joey McGuire and pretty friendly schedule. Um, you know, in, in the Big Ten, I think – you know, there's a lot of hype around Penn State, but to me that man, there's what's that? There is a like people like Penn State yeah. quite a bit. They're kind of the darling in the Big East or the Big Ten East, right? And they've got to go out and prove it against Ohio State and Michigan. They do have one of their more loaded rosters, and I remember their '99 team that had Lavar and Courtney Brown, and I, I there's that kind of hype around them. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's wild and. I've been pointing out all summer that they haven't beat a ranked Michigan and a ranked Ohio State team in the same season since 1994. Mm. Yeah, that, so, that, that last that, that November, late October triangular between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State is going to be interesting. It is. And then on the other side, the Big Ten West is interesting to me because almost every team, I believe with the exception of Minnesota, is going to have a transfer quarterback starting. And that's a little bit of a game of roulette because we can assume that Cade McNamara and Tanner Mordecai are going to be all right. But if, if he's healthy, yeah. You don't know. You don't know with first-year starters until you see it. Bill, I'm curious about Tennessee here because I look at them as a potential regression candidate. Seemed kind of like they caught lightning in a bottle last year. Am I underestimating – Josh Heupel and the Volunteers, or are you kind of tracking with me? I, I mean, it's going to depend on Joe Milton's accuracy. Sure. I mean, he has developed a following this summer based on the fact that he can throw a football 90 yards, which is absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, but if he can be as accurate as Hendon Hooker was in that offense, they're going to be really good again because they've got skill position talent and they've got – a lot of offensive firepower, and they'll probably score a ton of points again. Now, regression in terms of can they go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, who's going to be very angry, and Nick Saban's good in revenge games. Can they beat Georgia, who was the one team that made them look very ordinary last mm, year yeah. uh, on offense? So, I mean, to me, they, they could go 10-2, and two, and it might feel like regression, but he Josh Heupel's got it going there. They're recruiting really well, and um, – it's good to see them back on the national stage a little bit. I like when Tennessee's good. Uh, Bill, how much – it seems like we're given a lot of uh, assuming and leeway just because of the quality of programs. But a couple of those teams at the top are breaking in some first-year starters, like, you know, Clemson. And they um, most of the quarterbacks have some experience in either blowouts. But, you know, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama – we're giving some serious benefit of the doubt to first-year starters. Is that just because <laughs> what's around them, or are we just are they truly have they now become plug-and-play, even with the great quarterback play that those schools have had outside of probably Clemson under Ungalele before he transferred? Right. You know, I, I can attack those one by one. I think Clemson, we a lot of us thought that Cade Klubnick should be starting after we saw him play Syracuse last year. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. And – that didn't happen, so I think Clemson's fine. Um, Georgia has so much talent around Carson Beck or whoever they start that they should be fine. And Ohio State with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, again, their last three quarterbacks, the, the late Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, played at a Heisman caliber clip. 
and I think in that offense, I don't want to demean what the quarterback does, but look at the talent they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, when in doubt, if they can't find a quarterback to throw to Marvin Harrison, they're going to have problems. <laughs> um, so, and then Alabama's a question mark to me because I think Jalen Milrow will end up starting, but how much, you know, because he offers more in the running game. He was very explosive, and I don't know that and unless Ty Simpson or Buckner can, can close that gap, I just think they're going to roll with Milrow early in the season and see where it goes. And that, that situation will be fluid, though, because I've seen Nick Saban do this before. I remember a year where he had Blake Barnett out there on the first snap, and three series later, Jalen Hurts took the job. Uh, you know, Bill, I'm curious about Georgia. I know that they're recruiting at an insane level, that the talent's there, but, I mean, are are we just going to totally overlook the fact that they sent 10 guys to the NFL last year? I mean, that's a huge <laughs> chunk of NFL-caliber talent. And I get that the guys behind them are also likely NFL-caliber talent, but we're not even going to make them show it first. Well, I mean, Georgia sent 25 guys to the NFL the last two years. I mean, yeah, like there's got to be a little attrition, right? Like, I'm not. Am I crazy? Like when I watch an Eagles game, it's just Georgia's roster out there, especially now. on the um, defense. Like, what? It's got to matter a right. little, right? It does, and I, I think that's why. I mean, one of the things I'm actually working on it now, and it, it's great timing. Um, there hasn't been a team three peat since the '30s, the 1930s. So, and and there's been very good teams that have tried. I mean. Nebraska, obviously, you guys know that. Alabama, USC, these were awesome programs. And the other thing, and it's a curious thing, whoever, the preseason number one, and this is when people love to say pools don't matter. I mean, only twice since 2000 has the preseason number one won at all. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, USC in 04 and Alabama in 17. So it's, it's another classic case of it's easy for me to say Georgia's going to win at all. But it's also just as easy to say, look at the polls. I mean, it's not easy to do. you got to do it on the field. So I can't call them a dark horse, but one of the teams that I really like that I think we kind of owe by the way, Texas Tech would be the true dark horse. But a, but a good team I feel like is an afterthought is Clemson, right? They still were over 400, game, 400 yards a game total offense last year, and that was – with some subpar quarterback play, the wide receivers haven't developed. If they're healthy, they should be good. Defensively, they should be lights the heck out. Is now the time that a Clemson Tiger team could truly be flying under the radar and not have it be hyperbole? Oh, we, yeah, I mean, because we've talked about Florida State also. Oh, and we, yeah, and we didn't even put them in the top five, and we didn't say that they would be six either. Right, like, and, and that's, Exactly right. I mean, because we've talked about Florida State and Jordan Travis and that offense that the Seminoles will have, knowing full well they have to go to Death Valley. Yeah. And knowing full well that Clemson has Klubnick back, has Will Shipley back, has a loaded defense with Jeremiah Trotter Jr., several other NFL-caliber players on that side. So I think we're undervaluing Clemson on some level because they haven't made the playoffs. As unfair as that sounds, like, since they lost to Ohio State in that Sugar Bowl, we've kind of written them off as, like, a true national championship contender, and they could just as easily just burn through the ACC and uh, get back to the playoff, and then that's when we'll start judging them again. 
Yeah, I mean, they were 8-0 last year at one point, right? Like we're <laughs> And they finished 11-3, and and we're like, ah. Yeah, we're just good. like, ah, oh, Clemson, they've fallen off a step. <laughs> like, it, we, we may have exaggerated a, a little bit on the death of Clemson, right? Yeah, well, and some of it was that they skated by in a couple of those wins, and then, you know, they get blown out by Notre Dame, and then they lose to South Carolina, which breaks like a ridiculous home winning streak that had got up to 40 games, mm-hmm. and then Tennessee looked better than them in the bowl game. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge for Dabo. The Garrett Riley hire is something that we haven't talked too much about. Arguably the greatest offseason hire going, potentially, that's not a head coach. Correct. I mean, it's one of the boldest hires, too, because Dabo doesn't switch coordinators often. Hmm. And I think that's one that we'll definitely watch. Could see an overreaction in week one if they just light up Duke and then we're like, Oh, yeah, Clemson's a national championship contender again. Remember, Klubnik's a five-star kid. He can play. Uh, something or nothing that Michigan has passed Ohio State, surely on, uh, from the fact that Ohio State is no longer as dominant on the O and D lines like when they once were. Hyperbole or something to it in Columbus? A little bit to it on the defensive side for Ohio State. I think – the big plays last year against Georgia and Michigan, they were stopped. I think about that last night, too. Uh, that They were kind of bottling up Michigan's run game until Donovan Edwards had those late daggers, but it's in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what Ohio State didn't have last year was that Chase Young, that Nick Boza, that Joey Boza. And they need uh, Tui Malolau or Jack Sawyer to fill that role. When Ohio State has a guy getting 12 to 15 sacks in the season, it's such a huge difference maker. I mean, they were unreal on defense when they had Chase Young, and they haven't had that guy the last couple seasons. Bill, I'm, I'm going to go back to Florida State real quick because I've got a little bit of an affinity for them. <laughs> um, we talked a lot about what's going on with them off the field with the ACC, but on the field, as we mentioned, a little bit of a darling in the offseason. People love Jordan Travis. Obviously, Jared Verse comes back for an extra year at on that defensive line. Uh, you got Benson at running back, a lot of pieces that people like. Are you buying the hype with the Seminoles, or is it a little bit too much for you? I am, but with the understanding that that hype could take a serious hit at the end of September where they play LSU and they play Clemson. So mm-hmm. it's, either, it's a boomer bust team because they have to split those games. They could. Um Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, the Michigan State transfer. they got to transfer tight end. I am very excited about their offense. Mm-hmm. Very excited about Jordan Travis. Vegas obviously likes him because I believe he still has the second-highest Heisman odds behind Caleb. So, yeah, they should be pretty good. Uh, rather, But can they go and beat Clemson at Clemson? Can they go beat LSU? Who All of those things we just said about Florida State, we could copy and paste and <laughs> say about LSU and change the names. Because they're going to be pretty good, too. I get it. They're the, you said you're buying into the hype. Sark's never won more than nine, and that was in 14 at SC. Been a minute. Who wins the Big 12? And give me a dark horse, because there are some good quarterbacks in that conference. Yeah, I think Texas will win it, but it will have some bruises. Like, they're not going to get through that perfect. And it's going to be tough. Um, because the key in that conference is one-score game. They, they play that wild style, and up and down, and it's like a basketball game sometimes, and you have to be able to win one-score games. That's what Texas hasn't done in a decade. They haven't won those one-score games. Uh, I think Kansas State, TCU, and Oklahoma will be good. 
the dark horse would be Kansas. I'm all oh, um, 1,000%, Bill. Right there with you. Jalen Daniels, Lance Leopold, 5-0 and last year. Yeah, can score. Yeah, yeah. Um, if Jalen Daniels stays healthy, they'll be in the mix. Oh, that's a great call. That's Bill Bender, National College football writer for the Sporting News. Bill, we appreciate your time as always. Hey, no problem. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Bill. We've got more Coffee and Cream coming up next.